So our, our opening question tonight is, do you have a morning ritual? Um, I do. Um, some of the details might be a little like, you know, private, but uh, <laughs> the, fir- <laughs> the first thing I do is, uh, I should clarify that. Let me clarify that. Uh, Actually, I, why don't you start with the second I thing? Because the first say. thing already sounds inappropriate. <laughs> Welcome to episode 76 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern at pubtheology.com, and you can listen wherever, t- uh, let me say that again, you can listen anytime, wherever you find don't edit that. Keep that in. That's gold right there. That's life gold. Is it gold? All right. It is gold. You can listen anytime, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And Pup Theology Live is brought to you by our official sponsors. Our first sponsor is Casual Priest, maker of fine clergy wear based in Sweden. Their clergy tops are tailored, modern, confident, and stylish. And you can win free clergy apparel from Casual Priest if you call in and leave a message on our Casual Priest hotline, 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830. You can also join our conversation on Twitter or Facebook using hashtag PT-LIVE. Nicely done. We're also sponsored by Wink, W-I-N-C. There was my Wink for the watchers. Uh, Wink Wine Club, W-I-N-C. And they feature superbly crafted wine delivered right to your door. You don't have to go to the wine. The wine comes to you if your state allows that. You can get started at trywink.com slash PTLive. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C. For $20 off your first order and some other savings. And even better, even better. How about three bottles on us? Yes, for 2018. If you want to try Wink, just three bottles. All you got to do is pay the tax and the shipping, as your state demands. Um, and how you can win those three free bottles, either call us, 980 pt or leave an email at info at puptheology.com. And uh, leave a question you want us to discuss. Maybe you want to throw in a comment about something we said previously, or you just want to tell us how awesome we are. We'll, t- we'll take that too, especially Ooh, that Especially last that, especially yeah, that. There we go. And you do we that. Love that new co-host. There we go. How 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 ridiculously fun our new co-host is. <laughs> yes, um, um, you do that. We'll do a random drawing at the end of the month, and Wink will send you the three bottles. Yes, random, Brian. random. <laughs> If there's only one, you won. <laughs> <laughs> so you might as well be the one. Do you it might now. as well be the one. Get some free wine on us. That's Woo. it. That's excellent. I and you, you pulled off the three free wine. Three free a, is hard to say. Three free. Say that fast, like you almost want to say C3PO drinking three free bottles of wine. <laughs> I know, and I still say, and I still say controversy. I still have not really mastered that yet. Oh, or, okay. Or, or no, no, no. You no, said no. it right. Con- I said Contra- it right. Controversy. Oh controversy. I said it right. I said it right you when did. I was. You did. You totally said it right. I was like, how do you say it? <laughs> Maybe you should stop trying then. There you go. Man, well tonight we discuss how do we respond in a crisis situation. Are you useful when a crisis happens? Do you just need to get out of the way? How do you handle the stress that crisis brings? And we will try not to stress out over this conversation, uh, (laughs) but hopefully, uh, yeah, shed some light on how we are and how we respond in such um, unexpected, challenging situations. We are joined tonight, uh, as usual, with Ogan Holder and Shannon Meacham. So welcome both. Thank you. Thank you. Good, sir. Thank you. Good Keep sir. your hands on the wheel. Don't applaud. Don't applaud. Keep your hands on the wheel. <laughs> I'm, I'm Reverend Ogan Holder, Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts. We're experiencing a balmy heat wave of 50 degrees uh, today. So, so happy uh, for that. 
um, author of Rants and Revelations. And tonight I am drinking, if you listen to the last show, I'm still still plugging away on the H2O, the agua, the water, um, and trying to trying to shed a little of the baby fat around the gut before I go to uh, go to Barbados and have to walk around without a shirt on. That's that's something nobody needs to see, but I can I can make it look a little bit better. So there we go. And I'm Shannon Meacham. I am a pastor in Baltimore at Ashland Presbyterian Church. I also um, blog for Rev Gal Blog Pals, and I'm a clergy coach and church consultant, and you know, hate free time all around. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice, nice. And my name is Brian Burkoff. I am pastor of Holland UCC in Holland, Michigan, author of the book Pub Theology, Beer, Conversation, and God. I brought my prop, uh, trying to take a cue from Ogan there. Who did and, not bring uh, his prop today? Didn't bring his prop. <laughs> nope. And tonight I'm drinking a Hop Gobbler Extra Pale Ale from, uh, again, from Oddside Ales in Grand Haven, Michigan. So... There we go. Shannon, did you mention what you're drinking? I, I'm or did sorry. I just blank I did not. It, nope, that was me. Um, so I'm, I'm drinking a dogfish head uh, namaste. <sighs> My favorite. Uh, yeah. White. So the namaste white from dogfish head, which is not too far from me in Delaware. And I've been to the brewery and then, and, and, you know, I need, I think during crisis conversation, we need a little namaste. So yes, we, yes, we do. Exactly right. When I lived in Maryland, there was a dogfish head ale restaurant, and mm-hmm. many, right, like walking distance from my house. It was nice. scary. Yeah. Gaithersburg, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, I've been to that one. Fantastic. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. So our, our opening question tonight is, do you have a morning ritual? Is there something you do uh, when, you know, when you wake up in the morning that's just kind of always the same? Um, I do, um, some of the details might be a little like, you know, private, but, uh, the the first thing I do is, uh, I should clarify that. Let me clarify that. Uh, Actually, why don't you start with the second thing? Because the first thing already sounds inappropriate. So, so no, I, I, first thing I do when I wake up is, um, um, take, take my medication. I got medication by the bedside table. And doctor said, take it first thing in the morning. So I got it there. I drink like a 16 ounce glass of water, get the, get the metabolism going. Um, I go take what I call my uh, morning constitutional because I'm regular like that every morning, every morning. I gotcha. Um, Keep that prayer plunger handy. Yes. Yes. Good callback. Um, And then I go make a protein shake. I, I abhor eating most green vegetables, so I got my shake protein, put in my uh, veggie, my super veggie complex mix shake thing, and, and I do that. Then one of two things happen. I either go straight to the gym before I have enough uh, mental capacity to talk myself out of it. Um, so go work out and then come back home, you know, get cleaned up, meditate for a little bit, and then maybe come into work or work on my talk or whatever from home. If I don't go to the gym, then I go meditate for a few minutes and then continue on with the day. So that's that's kind of my my morning ritual. I wow. tried doing the meditation as soon as I wake up thing, and I just fell right back to sleep. That did not work for me at all. So I had to get myself going. But yeah, that's about it. I think you do more in the morning than I do in a day. Yeah, that was impressive. <laughs> I was wondering about that myself. It's like, man, I am not on the ball. <laughs> Listen, before before the gym, all those other things take about 15 minutes. Okay. <laughs> it sounds impressive, but there's yeah. not a lot of time commitment. There was a lot of detail there as well. Yeah, totally. But I miss I miss the most important thing, which is kind of like I very rarely do I set alarms anymore. Um I don't know if this is an agent thing, but like now, mostly no matter what time I go to bed, when that sun comes up, I'm up with it. Yeah. And and I even got the blackout curtains, but the sun like seeps around the edges and that's like enough to wake me up, you know, unless I went to bed at 3 a.m. And I can't, I can't do that anymore. I'm, I'm just too old for that. Um, so, so, but I will like naturally wake up and like lie there for a couple of minutes and just like try to remember who I am or where I am, um, you know. 
So I'm the opposite. My like the blinds in my room that are that are not necessary for privacy, right? So there's some windows that face our backyard, which has a bunch of trees. They are open so that the sun will come in so that I'm not so grabbed. So I am the opposite of Ogan in the morning. Um, I am super not a morning person like at all. And it's, it's anyway, I don't get going till like 10, you know. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't mean to imply that I'm a morning person. <laughs> I am not. This is why I have the ritual. Well, and, is, and, I, yeah. and I respect that, but here's what my mornings wake up looks like. So normally my, my alarm goes off around eight um, because I, I have to set an alarm to even get wake up at eight. Um, and I have, my kids are self-sufficient. They get themselves up. They have a list of things they need to do in the morning. I usually Derek takes care of the kids because of this. Um, so around eight fifteen, a cup of coffee appears on my bedside table and a little bit of a rollover and a grunt of like, and then I take a drink. Derek, we want drink. the, we want the kids to live past 14, so you handle them in the morning. Yes. So I am. I slowly drink that cup of coffee from bed, and somewhere between 15, to, if I have to drive the kids to school, but normally not. Normally Derek does that. And 45 minutes do I sit in bed and stare at the wall nice. while I drink my coffee and wake up. That is my morning ritual. <laughs> that is awesome. Stare. I stare for a very long time. <laughs> You're meditating. Just call it that. Sounds so much better. That, Med air quotes, meditating. That sounds like the morning ritual I dream about having. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty great. Like, I'm not going to lie about that. I, I am also not a morning person. Um, but uh, I have to try uh, because I usually bring our kids to school in the morning. So I wake up around seven and wake up is in quotes. Um, and usually uh, my wife has already prepared lunches and gotten the kids ready and made coffee and I fill up my to-go mug. And by 7.10, I'm in the car driving, not yet awake with my cup of coffee <laughs> and my four children. So... You know, what could they, possibly go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? You know, it's still dark out. And uh, yes, by the grace of God, that has uh, gone well and has not resulted in a crisis yet. You know, you know, you know what? Neither of us, none of us right now are morning people. We should record like a 6 a.m. episode. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. Seriously. Oh, a little, that would, little hair that, of the dog. That I'd rather be... record a 3 a.m. episode if you're going to do that. <laughs> We should do one of those too. <laughs> Fair enough. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I will say that in the summer when there's not school, um, I I will sleep in and I'm much more slow to do anything or get anything going. Um, yeah. The best the best day was when my child uh, became started to become self sufficient and mm -hmm. get her own breakfast and take care of herself and all that, and we could sleep in a little bit. That was. That was great. Um, yeah. Haven't looked back since. Glory be. There you <laughs> go. Changes everything. All right. So our uh, main topic for this episode asks, are you useful in a crisis? You, you know, um, I, I want to tie it back to your opening question, which is the level of usefulness I am in a crisis is directly proportional to how much rest I've gotten. Ooh. So when I'm rested up, and mindful and not you know like exhausted and frayed at the edges um i i am a lot more useful because i remember to like take a breath before you know reacting and freaking out if i haven't had a good night's sleep or a couple of nights not good sleep i for i forget all my spiritual principles and it does not look pretty <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the rest is very related I think it is really related, like where you are on your regular stress level, right? So if there's a family crisis, but you're really stressed, like your your personal stress level is high and there's a crisis while that's high, then you're not going to necessarily handle it as well as if you're dealing with a removed crisis, right? Like, so I, I would say like, I'm really good, um, 
with other people's crises. Like, and, and I actually was thinking about this, um, a real crisis, because I kept thinking about how there's like, we create so many people and like, I'll even put myself in that. There are times where I create a crisis that is not a crisis or does not need yeah. to be a crisis. Right. And then there's people who are like perpetually in crisis right. um, yes. that I'm like, yeah, I don't have patience for that. So I'm really bad with that. Cause I'm just like, you know what? There are real problems in the world, <laughs> but, but on a real crisis, like I'm really good with other people's. I don't know if I'm good with mine, you know? Yeah. That's a good distinction. Um, um, what I, I like to say when it comes to other people, not my circus, not my monkeys. So uh, <laughs> I, I uh, no, and I mean that in terms of getting like emotionally and energetically sucked into their crisis. You say that to your parishioners, right? But, no, I kind of do actually. <laughs> oh no, we, listen, you, you have to understand, you have to understand part of my whole like, you like theological and philosophical approach is there is no such thing as a crisis. Like the, what is the Chinese word for crisis is an opportunity. Everything is simply an opportunity for us to be the presence of God. So when something happens, take a breath, remember your training. Like, you know, Yoda said to Luke, remember your training, let it serve you well, take a deep breath and, and, you know, kind of like turn inward and say, you know, how, how is the divine asking me to show up here? Now, of course, I do that perfectly well, like, you know, 90% of the time. That other 10%, though, it's like, and interestingly enough, um, when Shannon talks about her own crises, mine usually occur around my daughter. She is 17, and it's all relative. She's a, she's a great child. She, she is not your, you know, like, stereotypical crazy preacher's kid, nothing like that. Um, she's not cause me as a father any real cause for concern so when she creates a crisis it's, it's a relatively tame maybe to what some other parents might experience but at the same time this is this is why i like to say sometimes parenting is our best spiritual practice because there are a lot of times i gotta really take some deep breaths with her and she knows that if i stop talking and start breathing deep that <laughs> i'm not in a good place <laughs> i'm trying to get back there real quick <laughs> Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I think that's a really interesting as a, as a, as a pastor, as a person of faith who shows up to someone else's crisis to kind of see that as an opportunity to show up and be the presence of God for them. Um, and, and we can actually talk more about that later if we get into like who got, where God is and all of this. Um, right. But, but I think too, you know, I think so, a few, when I look back on my ministry, right, a few crises, like real crisis that I've dealt with, right? Um, major deaths through accidents, right? Like yeah. somebody getting hit by a car and yeah. you're called into the emergency room and that, you know, right? Or yeah. a baby born prematurely and for three months every day you wait in the hospital with this family and um, you know, or just all of this, um, twins being born and one's going to live and one's like, and, and that's much more of an immediate, you know, but every day these things happen and, and to walk with them and to sit through that with them. I think it's great to, to walk into that, especially when you are tired and say, I, I will be the presence of God in this moment. But when you're devastated, right. When you're exhausted, when you're stressed, when you're all of these things, um, uh, actually, let me go back. So one of the things for me is like when I do that, I can, if something's really emotionally hard for me, so the baby's situations particularly are hard or the emergency situations, I'm fine in the crisis. And then I go home and completely break down. Mm. So like I hold all of, I, I, I'm able to like hold all of my emotions at bay. I don't know that that's healthy, but it happens. <laughs> I mean, well, you need I to function, right? Right, right. Right. And the last thing that a person in distress needs is for the person who they're maybe looking to comfort or your role as comforter and all of a sudden you're losing it and then they got to take care of you emotionally. Right. That's, and there's nothing wrong with like crying or, or right. you know, feeling your feelings, but I'm talking about being able to function on a basic yeah. level. Like let's all get in the car and go home and walk away for a little while and let's get you, you know, somebody to take you home and get a change of clothes and a shower. Like, I'm able to process through those things. What do we right. need to do? Who do we need to call? You know, um, 
but in my, you know, in, in my own life, it's, um, I'm a mess. <laughs> like I'm an external processor who calls every friend I know and sure. like, Oh my God, I just need to word vomit all over you right now. <laughs> and, and I need to do it 50,000 times if it's a real crisis. Right. Mm, like right. I'm surprised I have any friends after my divorce. Right. I, I really like the ones that I do have, they heard the same story for maybe a year of me trying to wrap my head around what was happening. But I think, I think that, exemplifies what I said about the not my circus not my monkeys when when it's your own monkeys and it is your own circus like we're, we're human beings too we get triggered we're gonna have our emotional responses about things and eventually we'll get to a place where we were like oh yeah I got some other tools here I can apply to this but we're gonna get triggered too for me I always say to people um, this this idea of trying to get to a point spiritually an enlightened place where you never have those reactions is impossible that let's not do that and i always use the examples of like some of jesus's finest moments you know yeah and 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 i said but the key is is how to short that time between when your button gets pushed and you get triggered to you get to that place of again realizing oh here's an opportunity for me um no matter what's what's going on, the, the the shorter we get that time between the switch, um, I I think the not just the better off we are, but the people around us, and I think we can also make better choices in the midst of the crisis because now it's no longer coming from that emotionally triggered place; it's coming from from a deeper place. Right, Brian. What about you? How do you do? Yeah, I think. Um... I agree with what's been said that if it's a situation involving someone else, uh, I'm, I'm, I can handle it and, and be present in that situation because it doesn't feel like it's me directly. But if it's my own life or immediate family or one of my children, that's different. And I think here for me, it, if it's a personal crisis for me, it kind of depends on the scale. Like if it's a, like major injury or life and death thing, I think I can be like do what's needed and be functional. And like, I think the adrenaline of the moment makes me, you know, go, but when it's a smaller thing, I'm not as good at those because I have within me, I don't know if I was, if this is personality or, or if this was learned as a child, but I want to focus the blame on someone especially if it's an accident kind of situation. I hate accidents, like even little things. Cause I'm like, well, it shouldn't have happened, you know? So whose fault is it? So I want to assess blame, figure out whose fault it is, rehash the situation and not deal with the aftermath, even though what's done is done. I want to know are you who, a, are, are you a six on the Enneagram? Who threw the thing, who dropped the plate, who, you know, who punched who and, you know what I mean? Like, and it's ter- It's not useful usually, right? It's really right. not useful. Like, let it go. Let's deal with what happened and deal with the person maybe who's hurting or needs help or whatever. And maybe later we can get to, you know, if there was blame, we can say, is someone responsible and how do we own that? But I can get in this sort of really negative space, love- which is not good. I love how you explain that and still went to later. If there's blame, we can assign it. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, there'll we're be still time to blame. It's like, time later. <laughs> we're, we're still getting to blame. But I might always say, do you know what Enneagram type you are? Are you a six? I'm not a six. But what, what are you? I'm everything but a six. You're everything but a six. Does that make you a nine? He's a nine. He's a nine. He's, a nine. He's, a nine. He's totally a nine. I'm a Am two. I? Am I a nine? Do you know that? You're totally a nine. Nah, but you take I the don't... test. He's not. That can a be nine. a whole. You know what? That could be a whole. We should all. I mean, I've I taken tests show. and I'm like one, five, yeah, then nine, you're nine, yeah. four. If you, have, if you have multiples that are about the same, um, whatever, about yeah. the same you're, question, you're here, then you're a nine. Okay. The, yeah. the I nickname, think that's, that's probably right then. The nickname for nines are chameleons because we, we assume Ooh. the characteristics of them. Are you a nine too, Olgan? Oh, God, yes. Textbook. Oh, nine. Yeah. Oh, which is why nothing ever happens. Which on is why show. I'm exactly. the, 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 when I, last week when I was like, oh, let's do this, this, this. You're like, oh, my God, thank you. <laughs> so, but so, 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 wait, let me ask uh-huh. this. 
um, yes. because a lot of nines that I've known, not that we uh-huh. want to get too much into Instagram. No, but no, like, let's go. Let's do it. Um, so do you have trouble like with responsibility, with taking responsibility if you're the one who did something wrong? So, so, um, so with, with type nines, there's like with any personality assessment, I think there's, um, I like to say uh, a healthy or 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 developed sure. side of the characteristics and and an unhealthy side. Yeah, shadow. So side. yes, right. When I was in the when I was in the more uh, unhealthy, underdeveloped shadow side, absolutely, it was like I'm not taking blame for this. And in fact, you know, in true type nine characteristics, I would avoid any kind of conflict as much as possible, not shake the boat. And, Absolutely. Yep. you know, uh, when we talk about yeah. how we respond to crisis, you know, we have the, the fight, the flight or the freeze response, you know, um, I don't know if there's the nineness or just me, but, but my response was freeze was intuitively freeze, mm. you know, and it's not necessarily the quality you want to have when you are a leader um, as, as I am in, in my job. So what I've gotten to the place of doing, however, is, realizing that I'm in hardwired to, to freeze. So use that freeze in a mindful way. So freeze yeah. up, pause, take a breath. Don't, don't give in to the fear that always gets triggered in a crisis. Cause I believe that's what it is and be a little bit more mindful. Now where my nine really shows up, that I'm still working on <laughs> is nines exemplify that whole physics principle of a being at, a, a body at rest stays at rest, the body in motion stays in motion. So, yes, right. so, uh, so me Switching is gears. exactly yeah. trying to get me to do start something or mm-hmm. is like, you know, Oh my Lord, talk about pushing a boulder up a hill. But once I get intrinsically motivated about a thing, boom, yeah, you can't, you can't stop me. So I think, I think that's a great, the, the, a great point of, crisis can move us very quickly in this is what we're trying to say about stress right it can move us very quickly into our shadow or unhealthy side yes so i so i am an enneagram too which is the helper like right right? so like i'm actually great in a crisis right like i am who you want around because i will take care of you and i intuitively know exactly what you need and will give it to you and and care for you in that in that way what I have had to learn to do, and now when I'm, when I'm unhealthy, that looks very similar, but I'm doing it, the motivation for why I'm doing it is so that you'll love me, right? Mm-hmm. When, right. I'm, when I'm healthy, I'm doing it because I love you and I genuinely want to give, right? So, so it actually looks very similar to me, but I get resentful if you don't shower right. me with praise and attention. But um, I lost my thought. <laughs> I don't know, but but the the type nine chameleon that yes. can take on all the other styles. Yeah, I got I got that too. If uh, yeah. if I'm if I'm not right. in a good place and people don't acknowledge me and so on, but again, learning to move on um, from from that as well. Yeah, and I, this is what I was going to say. I've actually learned to step back a little more in a crisis because not everybody appreciates all that all up right all up in their faceness. And, and, and I, so for me personally in a crisis, I don't actually know how to ask for help and because I feel like I shouldn't need it and I shouldn't want it. Like I should be able to provide for myself, but, and, and I've learned that other people process, we all process differently and we process in crisis differently. So I've learned not to be so let me attend to every need that you have and give more space and, right. and learn to keep some silent moments and things like that, that, that that may be helpful. So I've learned that over the years, but it's not, it's not my natural inclination. My natural inc- inclination is to jump in and, and, and fix it, right? To try to fix it. I can't fix the crisis necessarily, but I can take care of you in it and make sure you're okay. Nice. Yeah, as far, <laughs> as far as the, uh, the blame thing, I think if, if it's myself, I think I've gotten better at, at seeing it and acknowledging it and being willing to say, yeah, that was me. But I think historically I've had a pretty good record of, of, of coming up with all the reasons it was someone else's fault or all the mitigating factors that excused what, yes, I did, but look at all the extenuating circumstances who could have done otherwise, you know, like, you know, I, 
I used to be told I should have been a lawyer because I can get myself out of anything. So that's my why you're a six because sixes are the sticklers for the rules and people following the rules. And if mm-hmm. you had followed the rules, this wouldn't have happened. That's yeah, a very six. I'm not, thing. I'm not as much a. Yeah. But that's what blame is. Blame is basically saying. Yeah, maybe. You are the person who didn't follow the directions, or you're the person who didn't do what should have been done here so that this accident, this thing, this mishap wouldn't have occurred. I mean, that's kind of what it boils down to. So my very quick, my my ex-husband is a nine and a lawyer. Ooh, um, <laughs> oh, I just hit a hot spot. <laughs> no, but what I was gonna say is my favorite part about like taking responsibility and and so part of it for you is when you're not good at, at confrontation, that mm-hmm. feels like a crisis. When yes. somebody's confronting you, right? So, right. so again, there's these real like medical crisis things like that, but there's also like mini crises within yourself, right? So, I was confronting him one day about something, and and one of the biggest problems in our marriage was that he wouldn't take responsibility when something happened, right? And um, I, I confronted him about something, and our daughter was literally like two or three months old, our first child, and he was like, "It wasn't me. It was Maggie." <laughs> and it wasn't like oh maggie was crying or oh so i couldn't get around to doing that thing he literally blamed it on our two-month-old child that wow. she had done something and it was the it was the best like I, this is terrible this is there's reasons why we're divorced friends but like it was one of the best moments for me because i was like oh really because i i finally kind of had him and it was like it's hard for somebody who's not handling crisis well or or responsibility well or whatever it's hard to give an example and say you're not you're not doing this well i need i need you to see that right it's hard for us to see that and so that was a great example of like there's no possible way her her options are (laughs) sleeping filling the diaper and maybe crying Right, crying and eating, you know, like that's it. Was was he really blaming her or was he trying to deflect with some humor? No, he was he was dead serious, but there was nothing else but the child, right? Like Mm, there was nothing else and he just he panicked and he He was cycling through the options and like Baby, it's the baby. Exactly, it's the baby, you know, and that's exactly what happened. And and that just showed I mean, for him that was actually a moment of mini crisis that I was confronting him about something he did wrong and he just couldn't handle it, right? Like, it so, panicked. So Brian, to your, uh, to your assign and blame point, um, where, where, where- Are we are, still on this topic? Yes, yes we are. <laughs> but I'm, I'm segueing, I'm segueing. I'm blaming you for this. Um, in our assign and blame, where, where do we fall personally and with people we know uh, about assigning blame to God? Like, mm-hmm. this crisis in my life because- uh, hmm. How did God let this happen? And, you know, because cause when, when we run out of people to blame, you know, God's the fallback guy or gal. Wow. Do, do, any, of you still, I, do, do any of you still blame God? I, I, I blame God all the time. Are you kidding? <laughs> Actually, you know what? So I'm, I'm you know, I'm Presbyterian and, and I have about two ounces of Calvinism in me and this is where it lies, right? Uh, it lies in the fact that um, like God isn't to blame, but humanity is to blame. Like I can blame humanity all day long. And, and, and even, you know, now like with science even proves, like there are some scientific things that we did wrong. That's not, it's not an act of God, right? It's a, right. it's global warming and it's, you know, everything else. And, can't, you know, we, we're getting cancer younger and younger and things, you know, like we can look to our environment to why these things go on. At the same time, um, I, I had this, so when I was a, in seminary, um, I was a chaplain in the hospital. Did you guys have to do that? Um, no. No, you didn't? Olga, you uh, did? Yeah, I had, I had, yeah, we had to do a uh, chaplain, CBE. hospital chaplain. A chaplain, yeah. yeah. So Internship. And you know, I'm I was very young when I went through I went straight from college to seminary. So I'm I'm like 23, 24 years old at the time doing this. And there's this family was trying to decide whether or not they um make a medical decision for their mother. And their mother was so angry at God. And we actually would have to have these conversations in the hallway because if I even walked in the room, she would throw stuff at me because I was 
You represented. You, you were God's rep. I was God's rep at the moment. And um, they, they were so distraught at her anger at God because she was dying and, and she couldn't handle that. And, and in the moment of the Holy Spirit, right? These are not me. This was not me in this moment. But in the moment of the Holy Spirit, I say to them, you know, we get angriest at the people we love the most. Like, and there it is, right? So I've, I get angry at God all the time because it means that I love and I care for and, and you mean something deeply to me. I get angriest at my children and, and my husband and my best friends for when something really hurts because I actually really love them. The guy how do they, who cuts how, me off in traffic, do, I let go of that. That's how, how, do they, how, do they, how do they take that? When you go, I'm yelling at you because I love you. <laughs> like, well, that I've never said kid? that in my life. <laughs> <laughs> this is me loving you. Yeah. Do they, do they know that's what's happening in the moment? So I'm much less of a, like, I'm not afraid of anger at all. Like, I'm uh, a fiery, redheaded, hot-tempered, you know, bitch, right? Like, I just am. And I'm not afraid of anger at all. Where I struggle and maybe this is childhood trauma issues, blah, 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 but like is with disappointment, you know? Uh, and that's the part, like, I am very disappointed in you. I'm not mad at you. I am very disappointed. And like, <gasps> like well, that, that. If someone that, says that to you, that just drops you. Oh like, my God, I'm, I'm done, right? I am <laughs> done. You, like, if you really want to get me like committed, that's the way to do it. Like, I am so disappointed in you. Wow. Shannon Marie. <laughs> yeah, so I, I would say in terms of blaming God, you know, I grew up in a uber Calvinistic uh, church and environment. So, you know, we would sort of, quote unquote, not we wouldn't frame it as blaming God, but we would say God, God's sovereign, God's responsible here. So that's what God wants, or this is God's will. Mm -hmm. But then we were also told, but you can't really blame God because God knows what's best. But now I don't hold to that same view. I don't think God is causing unfortunate things to happen in the world. So I don't feel a need to blame God. So I, I guess I've sort of let that go. I think there was a time where I walked through some of that. But yeah, now it's, it's I, I don't blame God. And I think maybe that's why I get frustrated because I want someone to blame. And, you know, <laughs> maybe God would be the easiest target, but I don't feel you right brian yeah exactly <laughs> can't blame myself can't blame god who's left who, who is left who has left the but cat but it, it and so that that comes down to the other thing that we were talking about which is like the stupid ass shit people stay say in a crisis right so so god is whatever you just said i, I don't remember the exact thing but that's that's the stupid thing that we say that I don't know that we actually believe, right? That this is what God wanted, This right? is what God wanted. Or this wants. is God's will. God oh, some, is, listen, hey, some people believe it. Some, some people, oh, people some people do until they get pushed, right? Go to that next step. Like, you're in pain that you had no control over. Let's, let's set aside all the scenarios of you're in pain that you caused, okay? But, but you, you know, God, God is doing this to test you. And they say that with all sincerity. And I, and I look at them and I go, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. because what? Because, you know, go down that road, go farther down that road. And, and sometimes there's a naming of all these sins and, but I've done this and I've done this. And so God is punishing me. And, or, you know, I, I genuinely had to intervene at a funeral once for an infant where somebody walked up to the parents and said, God just needed another little angel in heaven. And I went, um, excuse me. No, God's good. Like, yeah, we're good. Ouch. We're good here. You know, like God, God doesn't, it's not collecting your little babies for, I, I mean, we don't think to the next step or the next step. I think for a lot of, for some people, there is no next step. Um, yeah. <laughs> for for them, it in in a weird way begins and ends with God. I mean, here here in 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 unity and new thought or you know circles, the 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 parlance is you know what's the universe trying to teach me here, mm. or what's the lesson I'm supposed to learn? And my response is, you can learn out of this whatever you want, but but <laughs> but it's, there's nothing outside of you trying to teach you anything this is this is how life rolls out and don't don't blame don't blame the thing that's probably gonna be your source of solution to move 
through this crisis. Um, that makes no sense. Um, the, the example that, that really came to mind uh, for me, Shani mentioned, was uh, when Jennifer, my late wife, was, was battling cancer, a battle she lost. And her parents, who were more, um, her mom especially, who's, I guess, more traditional theology Baptist, her, her entire prayer the whole time was, dear God, take this cancer away. Dear God, give it to mm -hmm. me instead. You know, that kind of deal. Um, so that was her prayer. I mean, earnest prayer. And right after Jennifer died, all of a sudden it's, well, God knows this is part of God's plan. Like the, the switch was, and, and Harry, I was like, oh, good. She's going to have a crisis of faith afterwards. <laughs> this will, this, no, that, that didn't happen. So I think wherever yeah. people's, you know, mindset about how God plays into the crisis, it's either going to be a catalyst to shift them into maybe another understanding of their relationship with God and in God, or it's gonna just further cement their faith even further, and they and they have the blanket, you know, that 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 idea of well, you know, it's God's divine plan. We don't understand, and all we can do here is you know stand helplessly and watch. Yeah, and I think you make a really good point of some people's faith doesn't have a second step. Yeah, doesn't. And as and as a pastor, we're constantly trying to get them to take whatever that next step is right yeah and, so, and for me it's but, but for me the next step is about is about um, um how how do you use what you know spiritually and i think we're saying the same thing to get you out of feeling like you're in a crisis because it may legitimately be a crisis but you don't necessarily have to feel like it is and get swept up in into the emotion of it and 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 stay in a place of anger or stay in a place of distress or whatever and then you know you don't talk for this to your relative for like the next 30 years because they pissed you off over something that happened you know how how do you sh how do you use your spiritual tools to shift the idea that 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 then the crisis is an opportunity, um, and and unless you bless you, and unless you are, <laughs> my attempt to mute as I sneezed obviously did not happen. Timing is everything, man. <laughs> we can blame you for that. Wow. Um, um, you know, but again, if you're, not, if you're not even open to the possibility of a shift, there's nothing I can say. No, I, I yes, right, yes, but I, I so for me because I'm, I would be a step like, right? Like what's this trying to teach me? And then what's that trying to, like I, I can get caught in that loopy loop mm -hmm. cycle, right? So one of the things that after years of, of dealing with this, I kind of just stepped back and said, so one, I'm a, I'm a Tillich girl, right? So God is, is the nature of all things, the root and the ground and all of that. And I'm also a progressive theologian, so God learns along with time. Um, Heresy. Heresy. I, know. I, I love know. it. <laughs> and, and so for me, the number one thing is, is that God doesn't cause the crisis. God weeps with us in the crisis. God, right. God hurts with us in the crisis. And that's biblical to me, you know. Um, so the best example of this, right, Ogan, you mentioned, yeah. like, there are the best example of Jesus in this moment is when Lazarus dies. Uh -huh. And, you know, um, Mary meets him and, and, and come on in and blah, blah, blah. And he's over here and, and Martha finds out that he's there and runs out and is like, where the hell were you? You know, if you, if you hadn't have been here, if you'd been here, none of this would have happened. So she was pulling a Brian then. Exactly. Like, oh yeah. She I knew who to blame. To <laughs> yeah. I need someone to take responsibility. And what does Jesus do? He sits down. He weeps, he cries, and then he's and then he he listens, right? And he says, "Now this is where it's really hard. It's it's God's will be done, and 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 that kind of um, that kind of faith, which I don't have a problem with saying. Like the really the truest prayer that we can pray is that part of the Lord's prayer that is is Thy will be done, because whatever whatever it is that God's work here is." should be good right we so whether that's you listening to what is next or what's going to happen that doesn't mean god causes the crisis but 
God, God show us and teach us and be with us in this moment. And, and then it becomes, the story becomes less helpful because Jesus resurrects Lazarus and they go along skipping and happy away, which is yeah, except really that, except part. that he has to die twice, which is really unfortunate which for really Lazarus. Which really kind of sucks, right? Lazarus, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think that is a beautiful moment of Jesus saying, like he, he sympathizes in the midst of Martha's crazy, yeah. right? Like he sympathizes with her and recognizes that for what it is, which is that she's in crisis. She doesn't mean it. And she's only angry at him because she very much loves him and her brother. Or was Jesus a conflict avoidant type nine who's like, let me just raise Lazarus so that she'll stop yelling at me. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> oh. just, putting that, just putting that out there. Maybe. He couldn't yeah. handle the pressure of having responsibility. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, it's not my fault. Here he is. Ta-da! <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. And that's a great, uh, you did a great job of using that incident, Shannon, to highlight some broader theological um, ways of thinking about God with us in the midst of crises. And I, and I really like the present with weeping with um, and then, and then leading us into something new through the, through the crumminess of it, which does not excuse the crumminess of it, but I don't think any of us here are saying we're blaming God for that or that God caused that. So we've taken the assigned blame out of it and say, it is what it is. And now how does God invite us to grow and be present as a result but, or through it? I got, I got, a, I got a, also a slightly different take on that to go back to what, you know, Shannon was saying. Um, if you, if you take that tillic idea, of, you know, God basically being all, all there is, all that is, um, and extrapolate that, I would say God is the crisis. You are God in the crisis. Everybody else is God in the crisis. And who we are uh, at the other side of this crisis and who we become and who we evolve to is also God as well. It's all God. So to quote unquote blame God or asking what, what's God trying to teach me here is is i think missing the point that in anything every one of us is also the presence of god god's not sending it up it's it it's it's what it is it's god is all that is including us so 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 man up take 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 responsibility for your divinity now and yes have of course we're also human we're gonna have like jesus wept for lazarus we're gonna have our human responses we're gonna feel our, 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 our sadness when there's you know someone someone has passed away we're gonna feel the anger if we feel we've been attacked or infringed upon our one of our loved ones or hurt we're gonna have those responses and in the midst of it re remember that we're also divine and and we that can take us to another level past the human responses yeah and i think we were saying some very similar things yeah. i think a difference is that for you ogan you don't have as much space as perhaps shannon and i do for um seeing god as desiring anything or having any will or longings or anything uh because you see god as an impersonal energy that is in and through everything versus god as being distinct from humanity even as we are participants i would well, say in the divine yeah that that is true because you know if i'm saying god is omniscient and omnipotent how could god want or desire because god's all so wh where's the vacuum but that's a whole other show. Y'all know where well, I stand. The, the only other thing I'll throw out for our listeners who are going who are, who are to go through this story and be like, but right there it says, because the one thing that, God, or that Jesus says is that this happened so that you all can see the miracle of resurrection. Mm. And, and so I think that that's some of the place of where we get God did this to you or God's doing this to you mm -hmm. so that you can right yeah. and i read it I, and i just don't interpret it that way but i see how people interpret it that way so i i think that that can be read in a way that says okay this happened and so good is going to come out of that right so go back to my divorce this terrible awful and i will not even under stress how you know terrible and awful it was and i'm i'm 
things are different now, right? I am happily married. I have children. I have wonderful, this wonderful, wonderful life that I wouldn't have had otherwise, but that doesn't make what happened before okay, right? And so that's kind of how I interpret that text of like, okay, now that this shitty thing happened, like I'm going to, you're going to be able to see how God works miracles. And why didn't God, and why didn't God demonstrate uh, resurrection last week when my cousin Mark died? Why is, why is, exactly, right? why is her, why is her brother John get the, get the, you know, get the, cause yeah, exactly. So, so then we, and, and that's why a lot of times I, I, encourage people to take um and and this is this phrase is not um accurately describing what i'm trying to say here but take god out of the equation because then it becomes a comparison thing you know god this is good here or this not so good here blah 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 blah. and then you know it it it, it can get it can get slushy it can get muddy um let me think god is the causality of the of the bad in our lives yeah, and there's the story in the Gospel of John, uh, I believe chapter 9, with the man born blind, and people are oh, trying to assign that. blame, right? People yes. are saying, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus says, neither, it's not their fault, but he was born blind that God's glory might be demonstrated, which can make you say, well, so did God make him be born? Is, did, is God at fault here? Or is Jesus saying that, good is going to come out of this without since, assigning since, blame. Since no one's assigned blame, how much does that story get under your skin, Brian? <laughs> yeah. Insane. Someone needs to, <laughs> someone needs to pay. But that's, I love that question though. It's like, it's gotta be one of these two, right? It's right. gotta be either the parents or the guy. Cause somebody sinned. Somebody's yeah. got to get the blame. <laughs> Holy cow. You're right. That was me in that passage. Right. <laughs> third option man go to the third option <laughs> well, and, and, but i think that's an excellent point i think we're reading into these texts god did this when that is not right what is in the text right like right like this happens so that you may see god's glory is not the same as god killed him right you know right yeah like god, or god blinded him yeah exactly right. Yeah, there's yeah. and and I think that's that's a leap that we go to that isn't necessarily true, but you know in our crisis I think that the the, the I'll, I'll say this you know the number one thing I say over and over again with people in crisis is just be be gentle right be gentle with yourself be yeah. gentle with the people around you like muster up every ounce of compassion that you have don't assign blame <laughs> right like yeah. like. And, and, you know, does that actually, I mean, there are some people that are very logistic minded that assigning blame helps them, but I don't know. It really feels like it just for a while, again, in the immediate crisis, it feels like it just makes things worse, you know? Ab and, absolutely. And be, to, and be open to, to the good because a lot of time the crisis is a, uh, attached to the crisis is, I have no idea what's going to happen next. I can't imagine it. I can't see it. I don't know what to do to, to make the outcome I want happen. You know, I'm going to pray for what I want, but, uh, but if you really truly focus on staying in the now moment of it and being fully in it, as opposed to, you know, looking in the past, well, how did we get here? Who's responsible? What did I do wrong? Or looking into the future of like, I, I can't even begin to contemplate how to fix this. And I don't see what the outcome is this, or even, or even that, that present, but, but to stay now, stay in the now, stay open. And again, see it as, oh, here's an opportunity for, for me to go deeper to, to this, this is an opportunity for me. Um, and to get to that place where that's your default, like that's, the, that's where the work is. That's where the, the spiritual practices really are, I think, taken us. That, that is our default, should be our default way as being spiritual beings. And I think, and I think in that back to the Lazarus story, I think Jesus demonstrated that um, um, in in a lot of ways, in terms of having this human response of being sad, um, and at the same time going, all right, but here's an opportunity for me as well. Here's an opportunity, which is how I, you know, to interpret that verse about this happens so that here's here's the opportunity of me showing up as God, and and 
I think if we all take that on, it, it could it could take us a ways. And I think that's one last, just one last like uh, excellent point of what you just made, which is in part of one in crisis, part of the stress is that we feel so out of control. Yeah. And the attempt to control everything around us because we feel so out of control. And that's part of that gentle process and gen mostly gentle with everyone around you, right? Right. So, you know. Like we forget that we, we forget we were never in control to begin with. Right, exactly. We really do. That goes out the window when a crisis happens. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would say for me, in my struggle with not responding well in smaller like situations, like somebody knocked over something and it broke or spilled food or whatever, you know, in addition to just practices of um, contemplation and meditation and just trying to be in a, in a centered place all the time. But I think even beyond that, a technique that helps me is to try to shift the the perspective so that I'm seeing this from the outside. Like how would someone looking in see this event? Or if my life was a sitcom, like how would this, this could either be a moment for humor and that, you know, if nothing major, nobody was majorly harmed and we just broke a dish, like that could be funny, right? Why does it have to, why do you be angry and blame yeah. someone? And if Brian it's more serious, ever love in mind over a plate <laughs> right and if it's a more serious thing it can also be like there's something really deep that could happen here and it's a moment to to grow and, and to be present for each other and so for me it kind of helps to sort of step out of myself you know and so you know i think the smaller things may be a bigger issue for you is what shannon says the control piece mm. like when things are massive and random like we know there was no way we could have prevented that, you know, like, yeah. like, like, like major illnesses or like the random accident or something like there's nothing we could have done, but you're right. A glass or a plate in your house. Like we know where the plates go. We know where the glasses go. Try your hands before you pick them up. Like these little <laughs> right, things. Right. We know how to take care of these issues. And I think that does speak to our, our human desire, you know, for, control and the control is really about keeping things in an orderly place so we we don't we don't feel pain both physical and emotional um everything stays safe and we don't get uncomfortable and so. i'll say this with all seriousness that if you are getting that upset over a broken plate or glass or whatever <laughs> and you're not in therapy i really <laughs> implore you to consider that i didn't want to say it I'm glad i mean did. genuinely like, and I, yeah and, Yes, that is funny, but also like really, you need some stress management. Like, yeah, good, good. And hey, he talked about yoga last time, so you know, yoga. Hey, like, but but yeah, maybe there. Yeah. You mean just drinking it. beer and sharing my problems publicly with a national <laughs> audience isn't enough? I, I think that's one way. That's step one. <laughs> Show title: Fixing Brian. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Oh, there's gonna be a lot of editing of this show. Oh, it's, gonna say, it's gonna be heavily no, edited. No edited. No editing. <laughs> uh, keeping it pure. Keeping it pure. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Goodness. So my. So I'll. I'll just throw out one last thing before we go, which is um, that I keep thinking of throughout this episode. I have a wonderful elder at church who is. Um, he's from the Philippines, and his family has great faith, and they just have that faith that you covet. You know this unwavering they have moments of crisis but this unwavering faith and every single time and every single sunday he says god works all things towards good and like i don't know if that's true but i want to believe it's true so mm -hmm. i feel like we should end our series on crisis or our episode on crisis by saying you know let's just hope and pray and have faith that god works all things towards good I, I I agree. God is God. God is good. God, God is good. God is the good. Um, I will I will not not to segue anywhere else, but to speak of forgiveness when you talk about being easy on yourself, and yeah. I believe uh, I forget who said it. it's either the Dalai Lama or Desmond Tutu because reading I was recently did a whole series on a book they kind of co-authored, and uh, the thing they said is forgiveness is releasing the desire for a different past. So I think a lot of times when we are in crisis or, you know, we're trying to get through the crisis, we spend a lot of time in, in emotional and spiritual angst because we wish it hadn't happened. We want a different past. Um, there's a certain power of accepting this is where I am. I'm in this now moment. I, I release the desire for anything different, as difficult as it may seem. 
and just remain open, just remain open. Um, and for me, that is, that is a massive amount of forgiveness that um, I personally am still striving to get there. There are yeah. a couple of things in the past, and I will say mostly stuff I've done that I wish had gone differently. Mm. I'll blame myself. See how that goes, Brian? I blame myself. Uh, uh, I'm, just, ah. I'm just here to learn. There you go. <laughs> Well, fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, that's our episode for tonight. So thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. Please connect and spread the word on social media. Don't forget you can listen anytime, of course, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Music, uh, Google Play Music, that is. Um, and if you'd like to find or join a conversation like this with uh, some open-minded, humorous, self-blaming individuals, uh, you can check out the directory at pubtheology.com. And if you don't see a group there, you can find some resources to start your own. And thank you again to our sponsors, Wink Wine Club. That's Wink with a C, who you'll find at trywink.com slash ptlive. And, and leave us a message or email for some free wine. Yeah, exactly. Get your free wine. We need to hear from you. Email, voicemail. And uh, that goes as well for Casual Priest, who you'll find at casualpriest.com. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Like there should be a Wayne's World fit out now. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. That was packed. That was there was a lot there. That was good. Oh, there's a yeah. lot going on there. Yes, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. All right, friends. All right, guys. Adieu. We'll see I ya. Will, uh, see you later. <laughs> <laughs>